There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Hope you're doing well out there and thank you so much for checking out the show. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with another podcast for you. And uh, thank you if you checked out last week's. I've had a really good response to it. I was wondering if uh, people would enjoy it or not, but they seem to. The concept was talk about the year 1995 in music since it is the 24th and 25th anniversary, not ever whatever the hell just came out of my mouth, the 25th anniversary of a lot of really, really good records this year. And, uh, you know, we just talked all about it on there. And, yeah, getting some really positive feedback as well as that Spotify playlist. Three hours of uh, nothing but bomb-ass 1995 music. Nothing before, nothing after. Only from that time period. And uh, if you want to go check that out on our Spotify page. And if you haven't checked out the uh, last episode, um, you know, definitely go check that out. But I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. You're listening to this one. So, uh, you know, I'll hold my horses. But, uh, you know, people have been enjoying that one and hitting me up about it. So thank you if you have. And if you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. People seem to enjoy it. And uh, I think people are going to really enjoy this one. That was a solo one. But this week I got a guest. And uh, I always love having guests, including when I'm a really big fan of what they're putting out, which, I mean, is normally the case on here. I mean, there, there is a quality control where, you know, I'm uh, I'm not just having someone on to have them on. If I have them on this show, it means that I like what they're doing. But, uh, you know, this man in particular, high on stress, I, uh, I got to be honest, had not heard of them up until a few months ago. But uh, shout out St. Bad Dad on, uh, on Instagram. Really rad dude who uh, I, I've just been talking to on Instagram for probably like the last year or two. Follows the uh, show and uh, is always, I mean, really, really cool. Like promotes the playlist on his page and stuff. Will like tag me and, uh, and also has Sports of Power Court Hour t-shirt and looks rad in it. And uh, will, you know, like post pictures of him running in it and stuff. And just really cool. Dude has great taste in music. Has made me really jealous with uh, some of his music stories. And uh, some, of, some of like the artists and shows that he's gotten to see. He has definitely made me envious before. But uh, a few months ago, he told me to check out this band, High on Stress. I had not heard of them before. But uh, he's like he knew I was a replacements fan, as uh, does probably anyone who knows me or listens to the show. I mean, they're the greatest band of all time, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, he's like heavy replacements vibes, you know, really good. And I checked him out and I look on their page too. And they, uh, like in the bio thing, you know, it kind of like has a couple like quotes from people. One of them, Peter Jesperson. I mean, the man who basically found the replacements and, you know, and was also the, uh, founder of twin tone records. And I mean, just really, if you want to talk about it, I mean, such an important part of, uh, the twin cities music. I mean, uh, it, in all, by all means, I mean, huge, huge, huge part of it. But uh, he had a little quote on there that, you know, kind of his stamp of approval for the band, as well as James Alex from Beach Slang and Weston, who a uh, former former guest of the show, like probably like the second or third person we ever had on here. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll post it as like a power chord uh you know, like a throwback episode. And actually, though, if you do, I mean, it is on our YouTube page. You can hear it. It's not like it, like, doesn't exist anywhere. But uh, it is also on, like, I think, like, episode two of the podcast. Like, one of the very early ones. Whenever uh, whenever, whenever Beach Slang's record came out this year, 
I uh, believe I included it on that podcast, like at the end of it. But just a real quick five minute interview, um, just talking about Big Star. It was for an episode where uh, we were very time sensitive, just because I was trying to play a lot of music um, from Alex Chilton, and also uh, had a second David Julian Leonard, who was a very interesting guest who uh, knew Alex Chilton, and uh, that's an interesting interview I should post on here sometime too. That's also on our YouTube page. Buried at the bottom there just because it was so long ago now that it's uh, one of our first ones up there. But both very, very worth checking out. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, James Alex of Beach Slang, Peter Jesperson, both giving their uh, giving their seal of approval. I was pretty sold. I heard – I heard uh, I forget what song he sent me. Whatever song he sent me, I really liked. But, uh, you know, I heard that. I enjoyed it. And then a little bit later, you know, we, me and uh, the band started following each other on social media and uh, started listening to the, the album Hold Me In, their new record, and just blew me away. I mean, really, if you're a fan, and I'll, I'll play a bunch of stuff here after after the interview, but I mean, if you're a fan of the, you know, the replacements of Soul Asylum, of Husker Du, I mean, and that's just the Twin Cities. I mean, singer-songwriter stuff, you're a fan of just good, like, you know, alternative indie rock, you know, I mean, really college rock is also a good one. You know, like I don't feel like that term gets thrown around enough anymore. And, uh, and maybe cause it, I don't know it exists anymore. You know, I don't, I don't know that there's bands. I think it's kind of morphed into different things. You know what I mean? Like bands you probably would have called college rock back in the eighties. You would now maybe call like indie rock or whatever, but whatever the hell you want to call it, just a rock and roll band. I mean, high on stress gets it right by like, and what, and what I told uh, Nick too in this is like, the range that they have is what I really like. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to keep throwing around the replacements. There are tons of other bands, tons of other influences. And they also don't just sound straight up like them. I'm just, you know, the, uh, you know there, there's obviously an uh, influence there. And, uh, you know, the replacements being my favorite band, I, I have to bring them up every chance that I can. Uh, I, I have to shoehorn them in there. But, uh, you know, just comparing them to them in the sense that, you know, Paul Westerberg and uh, the rest of the band could do that where you could have, you know, on Let It Be, you could have Gary's Got a Boner and you could also have Unsatisfied, you know, that you can do both those things. And also the we can write a ballad, but we can also write, you know, just a rocker. And uh, that's exactly what High on Stress did on this new record. And they have range and I really, really enjoy it. So, uh, you know, when you're done with this episode, you definitely want to go check out uh, their new record, Hold Me In. It is so, so good. And uh, I'll play you some tracks after this. But I enjoyed talking to Nick. We got all into the new record. His kind of music career as a whole, you know, he's been doing it for a while. And, uh, you know, I mean, I kicked myself too because, like I said, I just really discovered High on Stress. And uh, they've been around since, I believe he said, 03, I want to say they formed. So they've been around for quite a while. And I even lived in Minneapolis last year. And uh, I'm kicking myself in the ass not knowing about them. I mean, I would have loved to go see a show and, uh, you know, probably interview them in person, too. You know, I enjoyed doing this phoner, but... uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we could have could have done an interview up there. So kind of bummed I didn't know about them then. But uh, I am happy that I know about them now. And I'm not going to let you make that mistake. That's why I have him on here. I have to spread the good word of high on stress because uh, more people should know should uh, know them before they kick themselves in the ass. And uh, I'm trying to stop you from kicking yourself in the ass. That's what I'm saying. So uh, right now, here is Nick Leet, probably one of your new favorite songwriters. It is high on stress. We're talking all about the new record, Hold Me In, right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, we're talking to Nick Leet. He is the frontman of the Minneapolis band High on Stress, and the band recently released their latest record, Hold Me In. I am absolutely in love with it. 
We're going to talk about the new records, some Twin Cities music, and a whole lot more. Nick, how are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing good. I've uh, I've really been looking forward to this. I mean, I know it's it's not the band's first record, but it is uh, the first one that like I've I've become privy to you guys, and I'm absolutely loving it. I've been listening to it like a bunch the last couple weeks, and I know it came out a couple months ago here in the middle of uh, you know COVID and everything. As far as recording it goes, I mean, was this all was this all done and in the bag before COVID? Yeah, no, we had uh, we've been working on it for quite a while uh we we actually uh broke up in 2014 when our bass player jim soul moved to chicago um and we'd recorded four albums prior to that so we'd been around for quite a while and then he moved and we decided to just uh to end it there and um around 2018 we just we decided that that whole you know breaking up thing was stupid um and we got the band back together including jim so we've managed to figure out a way to make it work and uh got back in 2018 we've been working on it since but uh we had the release show all set and in the bag and ready to go and then of course um <laughs> the lizard portal was opened and here we are so uh, the record was done and ready to go and we've had to sit around and decide does it make sense um there's really no uh there's no good history on uh is it a good idea to release a rock and roll record during a uh, 100-year 100, 100 uh, pandemic? But we went for it. <laughs> yeah, there's no one. You're kind of trailblazers. There's really no one to look back and go, is this a good idea or not? Yeah. <laughs> How did Smash Mouth do when they released that during that last pandemic? I yeah, that know. last one. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That, uh, no, that that totally makes sense. Um, like. I mean, do you do you feel like it was a smart choice? I do because personally, like, I mean, I know bands are kind of like going back and forth with that. But overall, my whole thought is everyone's kind of around not doing a whole lot. Like, isn't that the best time for new music? Well, initially when we, we had a lot of back and forth on, all right, do we – let's see what happens with the release show. If it gets close, we're like, okay, the release show is going to be canceled. Now what do we do? And ultimately we're like – let's just release the thing what else you know i don't want to wait until this thing's over no one else wanted to wait until it's over but we you know is it going to be a giant thud like you work <laughs> on this thing that you're going all right this is our fifth record but we all think it's our best one and we're proud of it and uh you hate to release it out there and have no one listen to it so we really didn't know which way it would go but when we did release it um it was it was the right choice and it's exactly uh what you said you know if we've been around the block um recently a record store guy had asked me to drop off some records for him oh, nice. and uh and he said uh where did you guys come from you guys like came out of nowhere and i was like this is our fifth record man <laughs> <laughs> so it i think it proved a point um really the fact that people can sit down now because we're running all over the place right you're you're you've got places to be works keeping everybody busy you've got a thousand things going on you're going to rock shows or bands or creating music there hasn't been a lot of time over the years to actually sit down and take it in and and a lot of the ways that people listen to music nowadays is very like background like yes grow something streaming on in the back and you don't really sit and really you know back in the day you'd look through the records you'd look through the notes you'd have your headphones on you'd be taking in all the lyrics and i think we've really gotten away from that over the years but i think one thing in all of this terrible um stuff we're living through here is is people have been forced to slow down and and that actually helps the music listening experience as well because 
we we've got nothing but time right now, so I think people are taking more of a chance and really uh, giving it more more of a a spin than they probably would have normally. And it, it's kind of cool, like like what you were just talking about, like with the vinyl and all that. I, I did see something today that like. I mean, the numbers for vinyl sales like skyrocketed this year. And I mean, like even over CDs and stuff, which kind of like you were saying, like the liner notes and being able to like like hold it and like look at it and, and whatnot. It seems like people are kind of like going back towards that. I mean, are you kind of like are you a vinyl guy? Are you a collector and whatnot? Because you are right. Like with like like I think about it and it's like if you're listening to like like I don't really like Spotify and stuff. You're listening on there and all of a sudden it's like your music is just there's ads in the middle of it like it screws up sequencing. There's not really that like steady flow. Like you said it's kind of like a background thing. Like you more of a I guess like analog guy, you prefer vinyl and CDs and all that. I you know, I'm a music guy. I I love vinyl. It's not real convenient, you know, you're not going to bring a record in your car and, and put the <laughs> needle on. Uh, but, you know, when you're at home and, and just listening and sitting in there and relaxing, it, there's nothing better than that. Uh, I've got a million CDs. I'll never get rid of them because sooner or later they're going to come back around. And, you know, people with their vinyl collection are always like, I should have sold all my stuff <laughs> off. I wish I... So I, I'm keeping all that stuff. But Spotify has a place and it, the sound isn't as good. Now it, it compresses it for sure um and they pay like garbage um <laughs> less than anything but what i compare it to is you know when i was younger uh growing up getting into music everybody just kind of traded cassettes and everything else and hey check this out and and you know spotify is kind of that for this generation although in a much bigger way and it does take away sales from bands uh but there, there's a sense of discovery where you can just get lost in a rabbit hole of music that you know if i was a, when i was a kid if that had existed i would have thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened because all of this music at your hands uh but you know at the end of the day you hope people will go on there and go this is cool stuff i'm going to go over to the band camp page and i'm going to go buy the record and that's that's the perfect scenario but you know of course you and i both know people are just uh some will do that and some will go cool it's free <laughs> yeah that's uh, true i feel like you have a little bit of uh of both there, but, uh, no, no. And I, I do agree. I mean, I think there is a, there is a place for it. I, I, uh, and I like it more for that too. Like you said, like, I'm not like, like if you're listening to like a whole album. I, I can't get into like the commercials and all that, but like, if you just want to listen to like a playlist or something, it is a, uh, it is a good, like entryway into a lot of music. But, uh, yeah, I yeah. was wondering that. I mean, you, you also come from too. I mean, a place with great, great record stores. So you live in a, uh, a great area for, you know, like if you collect CDs and vinyl and whatnot, but uh, right, I, did, yep. I think I think I did see too, right? The uh, vinyl for the new record is that sold out? It's gone. Yeah, that's sold awesome. All of that, yeah, it was pretty shocking. We kind of went into it. Well, we released the CD, and then of course the digital downloads and streaming first, and then that was doing well. And we thought, wow, should we take a chance on this? Because vinyl is not cheap by any stretch. Um, and we, you know, we just went. You know, this is our favorite record we've done. And in a lot of ways, it was kind of like, well, we want our own copies of this on, you know, this is something we would like to have on final because we're collectors. And uh, so we went for it, spent the money and we sold them all, (laughs) (laughs) which still baffles me. So uh, really happy about that. And the first batch of CDs sold out, too. And we just got more of those. So it's been nuts. I, I would not have predicted it at all. That sure. that's cool. I'm sure there's a lot of bands who have the opposite of we should press this on vinyl, and then they just have a basement full of it. So that's that's oh, probably yeah. not a bad problem to have. Is, is this yeah, the first? first? Oh, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, ahead, man. Oh no, you're fine. 
Uh, we released our uh, we re-released our first record, Moonlight Girls, on vinyl uh, when we got back together. It must have been 2018. Uh, we released that, and you know, we sold quite a bit of quite a few copies of those, but uh, those are not sold out. <laughs> so, this, this new one flew right out of the door. So th- that's pretty rad. No, that's what I was wondering if this was your uh, first one on a vinyl. I mean, that that does that does have to be neat. I got to say, that seems like something very gratifying to be like this thing, this record you made, literally. In record form, <laughs> that's uh, right. that had you got to get a kick out of that. I'm I'm uh, sure, but uh, oh, it's the best! It's the best. Something something that I really like on the new record. I, I got to say, like, like I mentioned, I mean, this is you guys are a couple albums in. This is my uh, kind of introduction to you guys. So I will I'll be honest and say I don't know if you're like this with every record, but the thing I really like on the new one is the amount of range on it. Like you have a really good mix of songs. You have songs that are like just kind of straight up rockers. You have other ones that are more kind of stripped back. And I mean, you know, just there, there's a really good back and forth there that, uh, you know, I don't, I think sometimes people can go either one way or the other and have too much mm-hmm. of, I mean, was that a conscious effort for you guys like going in, like, were you kind of trying to balance out that sound? Like, was that a thought? Like, were you weary at all being like, Hey, we don't want too many songs that are, you know, too guitar heavier. We want, we don't want too many songs that are more, you know, kind of stripped back like that. You know, is that like a conscious effort on your guys' part? I would, well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a conscious effort, uh, but it we've every all five records are that way. You know, we, we joke that we play both kinds of music. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I did see that on a T-shirt. Was, yeah, and <laughs> and it really is. It comes from two things, influence wise, like. You know, I, I grew up in punk bands, screaming, yelling, doing all that fun stuff, and, and I still love that to death. It's so fun, um, which I think you could probably see some of that influence on the record as well. But I'm also a singer-songwriter guy. Like, I, you know, Jason Isbell is probably the best songwriter around at this moment, um, and, and there are many others. Uh, a- Andrew Hira from the band Billy Pilgrim, just great songwriter. So, I, you know, I'm... I love Dylan. Like you gotta love Dylan. So I've always kind of had my foot in both camps, you know, one side replacements, one side early Wilco <laughs> is what a lot of people say. Somebody said that we sounded like, uh, what would happen if the replacements and Wilco had a baby? And I said, okay, I'll take that. All that's, day long. that's not a bad one at all. I feel like that's a really good compliment. Yeah, no, I was, I was not offended. by <laughs> So, um, yeah, no, I, it, it's kind of the mixture of that. Just I've, I've got a pretty wide ranging love of music. Prince is, I'm a huge Prince fan. You'll not hear that in the music cause we're not funky at all. <laughs> uh, but I love Prince. So like, I, I just love music, but that, that, uh, kind of, uh, power pop punk rock Americana thing is kind of, uh, the street I live on for sure. And, and the band all lives in that space too. I, I like that. It works. I mean, and I, I know you, you probably do get like, repla- you know, you, I'm sure you hear replacements and stuff also being from Twin Cities, but it is, I think that's part of why I, I like that. Their whole range thing, that idea of, you know, we can, we can do rockers, we can get in your face and, you know, play that stuff. But we can also write like really good lyrics and like, you know, really strip it back and kind of like appreciate the music for what it is, you know, having having both sides of that is, uh, is really good. You said you guys, you've kind of did that the whole man's career, though, you said. The whole way, yeah. If you go back to that first record, you'll hear rock songs, you'll hear uh, acoustic-based kind of alt-country sort of Americana songs as well. 
And how's uh you know like how's songwriting going the band? Are you main are you the main songwriter? Do you uh, normally bring stuff to the rest of the group? Is it more of a group effort? What do you guys normally do in uh, high on stress? It changes a little bit, but on average, I'll usually bring something in that's uh, written. So you know, verse, chorus, bridge, whatever. Uh, bring it into the band. There could be some arrangement that happens in the band. Uh, somebody will have an idea to kind of take it a certain way or another way. Uh, usually starts with me. Um, but th- this record is kind of special in that uh, Jim Soul, the, the bass player of the band, is is a songwriter. He just released his uh, first solo record um, himself, too. Um, and he's always written songs and this time he had this song that we liked and, and we we're like, Hmm, I wonder if we could take that song and turn it into a high on stress song. And that's actually the song hold me in. Uh, he wrote that. And we, so that's like the one song in the record that that's all Jim right there. You know, I'm singing it and playing guitar and all that, but it's, it's his song all the way across the board. So it was kind of a nice special way to do that this time around. And he even got the title track. So good yeah, job, Jim. The- <laughs> Damn, that's a that's a good yeah that's a good uh, first one to have in the band. You write it in the the, the title track, not a uh, not a bad uh, start for that. That uh, yeah. So like so then you normally though you're you're the one you'll kind of write like the basic tracks and stuff and then bring it in. And everyone kind of does their own thing on it. Yeah, and it's they usually start with me, but at the end of the day, I'm like we're we're the sum of the parts, like. Uh, Jim's bass playing is great. His background vocals are fantastic. Mark is a great drummer. I, I say he's. I usually say to people that he's a lyrical drummer because he's got these like little uh, Tom hits that he'll do that you can literally sing these drum parts after you've listened <laughs> to the song so often. Like they're very, very tied to the song. It's not just drums in the background. So, um, and then Chad Wheeling, the guitar player, um, he's. I've known Chad since he was a kid. Like he's about five years younger than me and he was like the kid playing uh nirvana love buzz with his little 13 year old friends he was just <laughs> like what this kid like <laughs> this kid's crazy but like this what he did on this record is uh nuts like it's the best guitar playing i've ever heard him play the solos on there are like some of my favorite parts of the record so and he also recorded the record he we recorded it uh recorded self-released wrote all the stuff it's it's all kind of a self-contained thing so uh but chad really knocked it out of the park that's actually what i was about to ask about uh the recording of it i mean i, I assumed you did in the city but it was all uh it sounds like then everything was kind of in-house you guys produced everything recorded it all and stuff yourselves yeah we had a few guests um we had our friend Elliot Hilton do backing vocals on a song called Eight Track Song. Uh, a guy named Jim Propodnik played uh, piano on a few things. And then uh, Lori Lindine sang backing vocals on Wish This Moment Gone. And then we had our friend um, Andrew, who I mentioned earlier, Andrew Hyra from Billy Pilgrim. Uh, fantastic. They were a 90s kind of folk duo on Atlantic Records. Um, he uh, co-wrote the song Never Got That Far With Me, and he's on it too. But other than the guests, like everything is really just done in-house with the band, recorded and written and everything. And uh, how how long did it take to record this record? Oh, man, way, way too long. <laughs> um, I'm, I was uh, talking to somebody else the other day on the, on the radio thing and telling them, I'm like, you know, it's crazy because – he asked me if I liked recording. And I said, the minute I get in the door, I love it. I'm like, let's go. This is fun. This is going to be great to hear this stuff. By the end, I'm done. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and the rest of the band's more like, no, hold on, hold on. 
Um, so I, I definitely have the least amount of patience when it comes to getting a record done. And because they're so patient, uh, it turns out better than if, if I didn't have them there, uh, holding me a check from just trying to get the thing done. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to do like one take and just be like, yeah, that's good. (laughs) Yeah. One or two. That's it. Come on. It's usually, it's the recording part doesn't get me as much as the, uh, the mixing part. The mixing part's brutal and, uh, you know, that part even like, even if you're not there necessarily for every mixing session, it's still the, okay, it's mixed, send it to the band. Everybody's got four different opinions on, you know, the volume or whatever. It just goes on way too long. Oh, I never even, I, I those are the little parts that I don't think people think about where it's like, yeah, that would be, uh, that's like tedious work. And I'm sure at that point you just want the record out too. Like the song's written and right. recorded. You just want the damn thing out, I'm sure. Exactly. And, and then the other part of it is once, once it is done, then the work, the other work comes, which is booking the release show and kind of prepping it and how are we going to promote it. And so once it's done, it's still not out. So whole, <laughs> especially if like, and, and we're not on a label, like I said, we're, we're self-contained, but on labels, sometimes you've got bands that are sitting on a record for six months to a year waiting for the cycle to start. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. You know, that, that kind of brings up another question. I know you said that uh, you guys had a, a little breakup there. And uh, I mean, like how many years was that? Did you say like four like four years four years yeah no we were done we had uh jim is moving we released leaving minneapolis which was our 2014 last record it came out the day we broke up we had a show at the uh parkway theater in minneapolis oh nice uh, did a show there it was fantastic and walked off drove home and thought that was it and for four years it was and and our uh friend tommy keen he's a great power pop singer oh yeah legend Uh, you know Tommy? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he passed away a couple years ago, but he used to, uh, when he'd come to town, we'd open for him, and he's just a wonderful guy. And uh, he passed away, and we, Mark, the drummer, and I ended up flying out to L.A. for his memorial service. Um, and he and I spent a weekend together in L.A. doing that and some other things, and, and that, that was uh, one of many things um, that really got the band back together. Uh, you know, Chad, the guitar player, was kind of hinting, you know, I kind of want to do this. And I had played a show in uh, Chicago and Ottawa, Illinois, with uh, Matthew Ryan and Miles Nielsen. Um, it, and I was just thinking, you yeah, know, kind of thinking that I need to do something different. And all of these things kind of converged. Um, and we got the band back together. But it was a four-year period there where we weren't doing anything. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, it, I guess not super long in between, but, I mean, has much changed do you feel like in in music since coming back, like you said, you're like self releasing this and all that. I mean, was any was anything too different coming back, promoting it, and getting everything around uh, in between that time? Oh wow, that's a that's a hard one to say because uh, it's all you know different years here. Like when we got <clears throat> when we got the band back together, we were out playing. We would do like runs of you know four or five days here and there. Um, on the road and just having a blast and all of that just doing it and then recording you know when we weren't traveling or doing shows kind of on and off there um but as far as how the release went you know it's just with everything going on it's it's just everything is different i guess that's <laughs> true too bizarre <laughs> but uh you know we were we were ramping up we were talking to our friends the sparklers out in philadelphia about coming there in august to do like a four or five uh day tour in the, of the northeast um uh, including New York. And uh, so that, that didn't happen. So, you know, we, we had some grand plans that are, are pushed back, but um, no, everything has changed for sure. Um, music in itself. Uh, I would say it's, uh, you know, rock and roll was uh, 
pretty much on life support in 2014. And I would say in uh, 2020, it's probably the same. Uh, <laughs> but but it's interesting to see that uh, people are grasping onto this record. And I think a, a lot of that reason is because people are a little starved for rock and roll music because there's not a lot of this out there. There are rock bands out there, but it's not like it used to be where, you know, you could, you know, swing a dead squirrel and hit a rock band like that. Those <laughs> days are gone. And and it is too bad because it is, it is true. Like if I think about your record, like I don't feel like there's tons of other things that like came out this year that I could like compare it to. Like a lot of bands that I would compare you to are ones that really just, you don't, you don't see anymore, you know, people for whatever yeah. reason aren't doing it which I don't understand. I mean, I, I would think there seems to be some kind of demand. I mean, but may, maybe it's just me. I love this kind of stuff. So like, I'm like, I want more of it, but I mean, you're totally right. Like in 2020, we don't see tons of just straight up rock bands anymore. And no. I'm just not sure why. I know. And I'm hoping at some point, you know, what's going to, what's going to happen is this stuff's going to swing back around and I'm going to, you know, years from now, I'm going to be like the six year old being like, Hey, can I play with you? <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's 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 kind of worked out in our favor in some ways we're like i've been doing this kind of music my whole life and and you know a lot of that music went away and we just kept doing it and i think that's one of the things that has actually set us apart is because there's not a lot of that out and uh if you if you like you know your replacementy sort of power pop you like big star you like that sort of thing you might like our band and and most of the people who i think generally are into that stuff haven't heard any new records no they actually care about <laughs> so i think they've actually been a little surprised when they've heard it that they're like wait i haven't bought a record in five years that i actually like um so you know it's it's good it's it's helped us in that way and i hope in some way i talked to some kid I call him a kid, but he's uh, in his early 20s, uh, was telling me last night on this podcast thing that he's like, you know, I'm playing guitar and I got this band. I'm like, thank God, man. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's doing it. Someone's doing it. And, you know, it's it's nice to see 22-year-old who's just excited to play, it, it, playing, a, playing a guitar in a rock band. I'm like, all right, it's going to come. The time will come. It's just crazy. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Yeah, I think when you're – and I don't think about that all that – I mean, I guess I do when we talk about it. But, like, I think when you're ingrained in a lot of times, you really don't notice it where, like, all of a sudden, like, I listen to your band and I'm like, oh, my God, I hear all these different, like, bands that I love in there. And then all of a sudden it hits you and you go, yeah, not a lot of people are doing this. Like, n like nope. you don't think about it. But like you said, like, I mean, including if you are a fan of, like, the big stars and the replacements. I mean, these are all bands that, I mean, haven't put out records in literal decades I mean, like, yeah. the, it just doesn't exist out there. So I don't know. Maybe this is your payoff now. Like you were saying, everyone's really taken <laughs> to this. And, like, you you know, you kept playing that music, you know, whether whether it's popular or not. And I think maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll swing back around now. But you, got, you guys will be the uh, trailblazers for this next, uh, this next wave. Well, it's funny because <laughs> I, I think about this as well with, like, the band Beach Slang. You know Beach Slang? Oh, yeah. I love Beach Slang. We've had yeah, uh, James it, was one of our first guests on here back in uh, – Funny enough, in 2017, talking about Big Star, we had him on to talk about how he discovered Big Star. <laughs> no, that's great. No, he's a, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. But it, it's, it's kind of a similar bag if you think about it. I'm like, that band's been playing this rock and roll, you know, big guitar thing since the 90s, and all of a sudden people are going, wow, what's this cool thing? And yeah. it's like, I'm sure he's sitting there going, 
yeah, I've been doing this forever, man. It, that's absolutely. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I feel. And I'm kind of guilty. I didn't know Weston or like some of his older stuff. And then I go back and go like, man, this guy's just been writing great music for like yeah. decades now. And I'm just learning about him. <laughs> yeah. So no, it, it's, it's fun because all of these, you know, you know, bands like that or bands like ours where people are suddenly like, wow, this new thing. It's like, and never stopped. She just found us, <laughs> thankfully, and, and I'm very thankful that that's happening because, uh, you know, when you're around that long, you just kind of go, yeah, we'll keep hopefully a few more people will hear this next one. But uh, we we definitely weren't expected for we weren't expecting what happened with this record, and, and we hope it continues to build the way it's building. No, it's awesome. I mean, I, I know me personally. I uh, I'm kicking myself. I didn't know you guys while I was while I was up there. Would love to. Uh, so you guys play out and whatnot, but kind of going going out of the band too. Just kind of your uh, you know your music career. You know how long have you been playing music? I mean, you said I know you said you've been doing it for quite a while. Like I mean, high on stress. This probably isn't one of your first bands, right? Have you, how long have you been doing this now? Well, I've had two. Well, I would say I've had three main bands really. Uh, my first band, kind of like the uh, the James Alex thing, uh, was uh, started in nineteen ninety six. Oh, <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. So, like, that was the first band that did that for quite a while. Um, High on Stress actually started in 2003. Oh, wow. Uh, so, 17 years, man. Hey, you have been around break. a while. Yeah, we've been around for a long time. Um, and uh, and then between those four years, I was in a couple of bands at the same time a band called Pasadena 68 and another band called Dakota Shakedown. Uh, Dakota Shakedown's still going. That was a band I played guitar, and they replaced me when I left to do this. Uh, but uh, Pasadena 68 was kind of my outlet, my songs um, during that period. But, you know, I, I would say overall, there's really just been that stretch. So it's just, you know, bands, it's funny because most bands, people will get in bands and they'll last for a couple shows or an album or two years tops. And it's like, no, man, I was like seven years here, <laughs> 14 <laughs> years, you know. You got oh, a nice track record. 17. Yeah, no, we, uh, I, th- I think that ability, the, the tenacity of it, and then just being patient with yourself and being patient with your, uh, with others and, uh, knowing, knowing when there's chemistry is important and you kind of, you know, you're going to have the crap like, you know, we had an argument earlier this week. That's just what happens when you're in bands. But what I would tell young bands is get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're arguing about is stupid. Like, you know, yeah. just enjoy your music. And it's a lot harder thing to do when you're earlier on uh, because you don't you don't really have that perspective necessarily to see that, you know, you got a good thing going. Uh, but when you've been around a long time, these little bickering matches that last for about five minutes, by the time you go home at the end of the night, you're going, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> that You know, that's probably the way to be, though. I mean, a pie on stress has been going now 17 years. I mean, that that's true. There's a lot of bands that don't make it out of seven months, if that. So, you know, being able to kind of brush it off like that, you know, kind of go, hey, it's just an argument is uh, probably extremely, extremely important. Yeah. Perspective is important than anything. And I and I. I sincerely hope that uh, not even in music, but people start to really look at things and become better critical thinkers. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal. That's my goal for 2021, that the world becomes better critical thinkers. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I hope you I hope you're, you, uh, you get your uh, wish. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. <laughs> but uh, are you, now, 
you know, are you originally from the Twin Cities? No, I actually grew up in North Dakota, uh, just outside of Minot, a town called Surrey, literally like 800 people. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, small town. So that's where my first band started. And we ended up moving here about uh, three and a half years into the band. Everybody but the drummer came uh, when we moved down here. And then I was in the, that band for another about three years here before I left to, and then started high on stress. So, Oh, nice. You, uh, yeah. like, like when you got there, is that is that like the closest big city from where you're from then? Would be Minneapolis? Yep. That's like going to the big city from there? Yep, and and I'd spent a lot of time here as a kid, and and I'd come down for things. Like I came down for, a, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if you, you were here, right? At one point, what was it? You were down here. You lived oh, here. Oh, oh yeah, no, I li- yeah, I lived there last year. Okay, yeah, no, this, so this was years ago, but there was a one weekend a million years ago before I moved here too. Was uh, Smashing Pumpkins were playing downtown for like a free show. And then it was like an Ozfest warp tour was happening in Somerset, Wisconsin, like the next day. So oh, nice. I remember coming down for that, and it was uh, it was pretty bonkers. I saw Motorhead, which is quite the experience, the loudest band I've ever seen. And I was outside <laughs> in the back on a hill, and it, there was still less. <laughs> so like I would come down for stuff. So it wasn't like a you know it was an adventure, but it wasn't like completely new. Um, but you know when you when you pack up all your stuff and you show up in a new town when you're 20 years old and, you know, days later you're standing downtown and, you know, Prince is playing Purple Rain to thousands of people. Um, it uh, it, it kind of shows you that there's a whole new world happening here outside of your town of 800. Yeah, that, that, that has to be uh, uh, quite the difference being uh you know going going from there to minneapolis and i mean like what what was the music scene like when you originally got there like like what did it uh look like like did you start going to local shows and stuff right away in minneapolis yeah yeah no so right away i'd go to shows i saw prince uh right off the bat bell city music festival um it was actually the second time seeing him i saw him in fargo like uh, about a year or two before that uh it was great. Not even sold out. The one time Whoa. he played North Dakota. What year, what year was this? <laughs> it would have been 97. Ooh. And he played the Fargo Dome in North Dakota, and it didn't sell out. That's insane. And it was the only time he ever played North Dakota, which probably for good reason. But I had like 13th <laughs> row, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So um, did that, and then there was another um, – you know Butch Walker at all? Yeah, yeah, I know Butch Walker. Yeah, he was in a band called Marvelous 3. Oh, they're a great band. And uh, went to see them play about three weeks after I moved here in this little dinky bar in St. Paul. Um, and it was it was the uh, Hey Album tour, so they were still touring on the hit. And there was 25 people in this bar. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my introduction. I had the record, but that was my introduction to Butch Walker live. And he could have been playing Budokan for all he cared. It was amazing. I'm like, this guy's incredible. <laughs> you know, it was a lesson in, in, you know, sometimes you play those shows and you show up and unload your stuff and it's a drag and then there's six people staring at you. And, uh, that didn't, if it bothered him, it didn't, didn't show like he could have been playing to anybody. He was just having a blast and it really rubbed off. Uh, so I saw that and I ended up seeing Sunvolt at, uh, first Avenue, which was my first, first Avenue show. Nice. So, but, you know, getting into the, I had some friends that were in bands, but it, it was a hard break in too. we had to find a drummer first of all, cause our drummer didn't come. So that took a while. 
And then we did get a drummer, and he was kind of a cover band guy who played everywhere on the weekends, and it was just tough. Um, so once we started to play more um, out about a year before I quit, um, so it was it was a tough break getting into it. And it, like anything, the longer you're around, the more you meet people, things become a little easier <laughs> to navigate. Oh no, that that uh, yeah, I mean that that would totally make sense. It's not a bad introduction though into. Uh into there including it's funny with butch walker because you think of like how many of like the huge just huge things that he's been a part of and that's Mm -hmm. pretty damn cool you got to see him play in front of 25 people (laughs) well yeah no i saw that show was 25 they came back uh for the ready sex go tour and i saw him at the quest and that was probably 50 and then we went the next night they played in duluth and the place was packed and i'm like oh wow okay really and then, uh, and then they broke up and then he came back and did an acoustic thing at the 400 bar um opening for fastball who was doing kind of an acoustic thing and i i got to meet him that night and you could kind of feel there was a little buzz happening because you know fastball had quite a few hits oh for yeah those, those few years and uh and they were great they're fantastic uh but you kind of felt this crowd like butch played and then all of a sudden everybody was like there's Butch. <laughs> like you just felt the eyes on him. So, and then I've watched it kind of grow. Like he would come and play 300 people and then there's 700 people. Um, so it's interesting to watch it grow. Cause at the beginning when I showed up, we were like, hopefully we can get in the door. Like hopefully it's not sold out. Cause we own the CD, but we, you know, we saw him on like playing on Leno or something and you just kind of assume. And then you walk in, you're like, there's no one here. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had a few shows like that. It is. It's funny. The first few times that happens to you, cause it's mind baffling. You're like, 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 yeah. like what's ha- Am I in the right place? Like what's going on here? Is it the right day? <laughs> yeah. You know, no, and, it, it was nuts. And this may, this may be a tough one. I feel like there's tons of great venues up there. But uh, as far as playing in bands, what is your uh, favorite venue in the Twin Cities to play at? Oh, that's uh, that one's easy for me. Uh, growing up as a Prince fan, like I said, oh, you know, true. watching Purple Rain, First Avenue was the that was the place I always I wanted to go in that building. Like that was my goal in life was to go in there since I was a little kid. Uh, so when I went to see that Sunvolt show, I remember walking and going, "This is incredible." Where's the rest of it? Because it's not nearly <laughs> as big as you think it is. And, uh, and then after that happened, then it was like, I have to play here. Uh, got invited, ended up being a number of times. We were invited to do this replacements tribute night there on, on the main room, first Avenue. Oh, nice. uh, and that was unbelievable. Like when you're standing on that stage and that screen lifts, I don't know if you ever went there when you were in town. Oh, t- I went to uh, tons of shows there. I, I yeah. love one of the best venues in the country, like hands yes. down. When you're on that stage and the screen lifts, there's nothing better. So we did that a number of times. And then uh, actually last year, we ended up playing with our friends at the Gear Daddies, and it was sold out. Oh, and, nice. Uh, that, was, that was the best. The Gear Daddies were actually having their uh, show recorded, and the guy recording it, it the play, whole place was mic'd, the stage out in the audience. And he goes, hey, uh, you want me to record you while I'm here? <laughs> we're like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I hit that button. So we released that last year because we got a copy of it. And, uh and we were like, oh, this will be a fun little uh, thing to have from the show. And we heard it and we're like, this is a live record. <laughs> the quality, the, how it turned out. So we released that. That's on Bandcamp. It's a high on stress live at First Avenue. So that that was kind of the, that's my favorite venue. And, and still, you know, played to that place nine or ten times. And it's still 
baffles me that I ever got to do it once. So it it really is a special venue. Any, anyone who's never been there, I mean, that's that. There's just something about it when you go in, and I, I kind of had the yeah. same thing too. I knew the history of it before going in there, and I'm like, oh my god. And uh, yeah, yeah. That, that has to be nuts. Then that's be pretty gratifying. To not only have a live album from there, but also from a sold out show. That's uh, that's yeah, pretty damn nuts. cool, man. <laughs> it was nuts. It was nuts. And and Prince, by the way, has a parking spot there still. Really? <laughs> yes. I never I never saw that when I was there. Oh, it's in. There's like a little parking garage in the back, and there's a spot, and it's it's got the symbol, and it says "You will be towed." <laughs> uh, and then, but there's multiple purple rain bikes too. The purple purple rain bikes. One of them's at Paisley Park, but the other one's actually in that parking garage. So it's pretty fun. That's so cool. How <laughs> yeah. about? I mean, I, I guess it may be the same one, but now if you're going to see a show up there, is that uh, also your favorite one as an attendee? Is that your favorite venue? There's a few. So if you're talking. That's kind of, you know, at the bar. But uh, if you're talking just kind of a dive bar sort of a thing, the Turf Club in St. Paul is, yes. is tops for where I, where I uh, come from. That's great. Um, as far as that level, First Avenue club level, nothing beats it probably anywhere. Uh, and then if you're talking theater, they're all a little hit and miss. I've I've seen some really good shows Um you know, like the the Palace Theater, which is in St. Paul. Kind of depends on where you're at. I saw a Spoon show there about a year ago, and I've seen them a number of times. But that I had a good spot there, and it was great. I've also had a spot way in the back there, and the show wasn't that great. So it kind of depends on where you're at. And then the huge, you know, arena shows, you just cross your fingers and hope you didn't blow your cash. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy $20 beers. Right. Exactly. I went to the Who last year. Uh third time i'd seen them and it was that's the who but it's not the who like it's just it's missing it's not what it used to be even the first time i saw them was incredible second time was like that wasn't as good and this time was like that was competent (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez and i love them they're one of my favorite bands hey hey at least you're at least you're being honest uh, yeah yeah but that first show yeah when he when daltrey uh hits the yeah and won't get fooled again and you blow backwards there's nothing like that (laughs) (laughs) no that i've never caught them live that'd be one i would like to see just just to be like you saw the who live that's and three times too that's pretty damn cool (laughs) yeah yeah but uh when they're when they're on they're about as good as it gets and when they're off they're like yeah that was okay (laughs) (laughs) that was all right that was all right. But, I'm uh, glad I saw him. It's Pete. Pete rules. That, Roger's great. That's true. I mean, just to say that you've 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 seen them. They're one of the. There's certain bands that are like that, where it's just like it doesn't even matter. It's just like, oh, you just saw that. Like you just saw a living legend on stage. You know. Yeah, Dylan. At this yeah. point, <laughs> actually, I just saw that. That was the last. I think that was may have been the last show I saw in Minnesota. Was him in uh in uh oh where the hell did he play last year? Oh, south of uh, Minneapolis. I can't think of it now. He Mankato played, or Rochester? Yes, Mankato. Or yeah, Mankato. He, that. Yeah. he did. He played Mankato, and it was the same thing. I'm like, you just gotta go see Dylan. Like, how many more times is he gonna play? Like, you know, you you have to go see that. Yeah. You know, but uh, kind of just kind of going off, uh, you know, live music again. Right now, like we were talking about, you guys uh, had a release show sadly canceled. But you know, once once all this is over, you guys can play live again whenever the hell that is. Who knows? But when it does happen, you know, what songs off the new record are you most looking forward to uh, playing live? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Because um, we'd been playing uh, prior uh, the the live at First Avenue actually has work release on it and has Relax 
uh, on the record because we played him then at that show last year. And we did, we threw a few in uh, at some other shows, which ones, uh, Clonopin and Alcohol, we usually play. Um, the song Hold Me In, Stop Right There, those songs. We played a little bit, like we were just starting to kind of get them into the set. So uh, once we're able to get back and going, I have a feeling all of those all of those rockers are probably going to be in the set. <laughs> those are all uh, really good for uh, – those seem like perfect like live-setting songs, to be honest. Yeah, and, and the way we usually judge it is if we have a 45-minute set or, you know, if it's 45 minutes – we're probably going to give you 12 rock songs. It's just the way it is. If we're going to play an hour, if it's an hour and a half, then you're going to start getting the life can get so longs and uh, uh, wish this moment gone. And some of those more uh, acoustic bass songs, um, longer sets where you kind of stretch out. But if we're just doing a 45 minute set somewhere, it's usually just the rock songs. Now, uh, you know, like you said, you've, you've played some of those live. Some of them are on the live record. Did uh, they change much at all before going on the record? Like, if someone goes and listens to them, or they can they tell they're the same songs? Or that, was there much uh, transformation from live to record? No, I think they're pretty uh, pretty well intact at that point. Because um, a couple, of the two on there, uh, work release and relax, were some of the first ones we recorded for the new record. So they were already arranged and ready to go by the time we did that first Avenue show. So it's it's fairly fairly accurate to the uh the studio recording nice. other than some stage banter shenanigans <laughs> <laughs> missing from the record <laughs> yes uh, probably thankfully <laughs> <laughs> well you know as we kind of close out here i mean like such a you guys just come from such a great scene um i mean just so many great bands come from that era you you guys being uh i i would say one of the ones right now kind of carrying the torch of great uh Twin Cities music, but since you've been there for so long and uh, you've been playing playing around there, you know what are what are maybe a few good like obscure bands they can? I mean, whether they're doing it now, whether they've been broken up for God knows how long, you know, are there like some good maybe obscure bands from the area that uh you know someone from who's not from Minneapolis has maybe never heard of that people should go check out? You know, kind of going along with discovering the new record, it's like everyone's just kind of indoors right now like what's some good old music someone maybe hasn't heard that they should go listen to from uh you know the minneapolis area yeah no it's a good question uh, i would say for like current bands if i had to mention uh like little man is great kind of a t-rex sort of big rock guitar sort of a, a 70s you know glam t-rex sort of thing it's great uh some zeppelin and hendrix thrown in there as well some guitar heroics uh little man's great um i would say there's a band called valet that's still kicking around they've been around forever they're kind of an indie rock thing i absolutely adore that band um but they're they're still kicking so valet would be another one um Dakota Shakedown would be one, my former band. They've got a new thing coming out with a new guitar player and a new album and some new songs. That's really cool. Um, just There's just so much stuff. Uh, Whiskey Rock and Roll Club, Minneapolis. It's a real band name. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting band name. Yeah. No, they're great. They're great. It's actually, so it's, uh, they've got, it's kind of a blues rock thing. There's a, there's a guitar player, singer, uh, bass player, and he he refuses to wear sleeves on his shirts. They're all they're all cut off. Um, yeah, yeah. 
and I, and then uh, actually High on Threat drummer plays for them as well. Oh, nice. Uh, so it's the, they're a three piece, and they've got like these lit up um, platforms. <laughs> this sounds it's, awesome. I love it's, this. It's wonderfully ridiculous, um, <laughs> and it's a blast. Um, but yeah, that's, so that's that's another one, and and of course. Um, He's not playing now just because he had a stroke, but Slim Dunlap, of course. Oh, absolute legend. Um, kind of the kind of the king of the whole king of the whole damn thing. I would I would agree with that. Yeah, that is uh, actually last week on the radio show we just played some stuff off that uh, live record they just put out. Nice, the Turf Club. It. Yeah, no, I, I uh absolute legend there. So yeah, we've been playing that and uh spreading the word. But yeah, he's uh he's one of the best, I would say, of that like those local, you know, local artists or whatnot. Yeah, best dude around. So I'm glad you're playing him. But, uh, you know, as we uh, close out here, people got to go, you know, if you're a fan of, of this music that we've been talking about, you know, you got to go check out High on Stress. We're going to play some stuff right now. But, uh, you know, where can people find you online? Where can they find the band? Where can they grab the music? You know, like all all that good stuff. Where can people find you guys? Yeah, well, we're on all the things. Uh, the Bandcamp page is the number one place to go because we've got the five studio records. We have a best of record that has everything from the best of the 2003 to 2014. Uh, we've got the live at First Avenue on there and as well as the new record. So that's a great place if you want to just uh, check out everything. Um, so eight, uh, high on stress, mpls.bandcamp.com. Uh, we're on the streaming sites, you know, for discovery, please, please. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then, uh, We've got a band page, highonstressband.com, and then, of course, social media sites, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. There's there's probably a MySpace page if you dig deep enough. <laughs> yeah, go find them on uh, MySpace. It's the best place Yeah, go to. find it. There's probably some good info on it from our first record on there. <laughs> <laughs> go see where they're going to be playing in 2004. That's, that's All right. Your, I want a time. I don't know about you, but I'd like the time travel. <laughs> oh, hell Yes. <laughs> Let's get out of 2020. <laughs> I mean, also, also, MySpace Music was one of the best, I still think, layouts for musicians. I still don't understand how none of these have a goddamn, like, album player on their pages. I've never understood how no social media has uh, caught up with that again. Like, I want to listen to music on a band's page. They, right. They need to that, update that. Yeah, Facebook is uh, pretty terrible for that sort of thing. <laughs> you, you do it just because you've got a page, but ultimately that algorithm sets so you give the money and... Yeah, I don't want to do that. No, not 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 <laughs> cool. My space Tom didn't do that kind of shit to us. That's right. Yeah, but Bandcamp's great because not only do you put all your stuff on there, you could sample it, you could buy it. Uh, but they also have their once a month Bandcamp days where they waive all their fees and the musicians get all money from all the sales. So um, they're legit. And uh, for as much as we like to complain about record labels and streaming and and the Napsters and the MySpace and the, I don't know what else, cassettes, what other <laughs> old old format can we complain about? How about 8-track? Uh, 8-tracks. Uh, <laughs> Bandcamp does it right, and uh, it's nice to have at least one uh one company out there looking out for the for looking out for the musicians for once oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely it, it is very cool and that's uh I'm, I'm trying to remember i think it's the first friday of every month right that that's when they don't do it because that that is when people should go grab it is the uh the band camp day where you guys get to keep all of it basically yep yep the first friday of the month they do that but uh it's it's nice because they even even during the regular days you still 
you still get some sales, but you definitely get a boost on that Friday because people are kind of in the mood to buy. It's like when they're on vacation and all of a sudden you're buying stuff you wouldn't normally buy. I think it's the yeah. same concept. <laughs> people are just primed to buy music. Hey, not not a, a bad thing. And then, yeah, I mean, as far as vinyl goes, that's sold out. Do you say maybe down the line more or you're not sure? Feeling it out. Uh, I've had quite a few people reach out asking about it, and we're just kind of going, all right. <laughs> let's see so you you gotta be very strategic because happy it's sold out and uh actually made some money on it which is insane to think about but you know going in with another round of it do you it's it's gambling right like, no, do, we that, lose, I, do we lose that or do we sell even more <laughs> no I, I i can see where you're coming from if anyone's listening to this and uh wants that on on vinyl go hit them up on social media let let them know they are not a it is not a money pit let them let them know you will actually buy the record if they press it <laughs> absolutely yes if you build it they will come <laughs> <laughs> but uh nick this is uh this has been a blast like i said we're gonna play some stuff off the brand new record hold me in and uh it is high on stress we're gonna we're gonna play a whole little block right now we're going to open it up with one of my favorites off the record this is dakota right here on the power chord hour dakota you lost your mind don't even care enough to call i told you you cross that line don't even care enough to call don't even care enough at all to call Time flies now that it's over And your postcards still keep coming And they're tearing me apart Wish you would go away Wish you had never gone away
clock is ticking But what is it saying? You better keep going You better stop praying Hang on Better stop before too long It's some kind of crisis It can seem so lifeless
Right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast, a big old block of music for you from High on Stress off their brand new record, Hold Me In. That one right there was Klonopin and Alcohol. Don't think there's a, those are uh, two things you should mix together, but what the hell do I know? I'm not a doctor. Before that was Daylight Instead. Before that was Stop Right There. I'm up that block of music. My favorite song from them, and I mean legitimately two, I think should be just a humongous hit. That was Dakota. I mean, tons of songs on that record that could be big songs and big hits, but that one in particular, I go... That's the song right there. That's that's the one that uh, you know kind of kind of gets them in uh, you know kind of further out there than uh, the just this here podcast. You know, I definitely am uh, playing them a ton on the radio show, but I mean, like you know, a much a much broader spectrum. I I think they they should be on like way more stations and uh, you know podcasts now and play Spotify playlists, whatever whatever the hell the kids are, uh, however the hell the kids. Uh, digest their music these days they uh they should be on there and that should be the song that uh you know everyone everyone uh listens to on a playlist or on the radio or whatever should be a huge song so uh, we're doing our small part here to get out there but i want to thank nick lee once again for calling in had an absolute blast talking with him i wish i knew about them last year when i was living in minneapolis we 100 percent would have had him on and uh you know probably would have been an in-person interview and uh, that would have been pretty damn cool but hey um, not happening, but that that was rad. I had a good time talking to him. And go check out that new album, Hold Me In. But check all of it out. Go check out their band camp. I mean, they have, you know, if you're new to the band like me, you have a bunch of records to go back and check out, including a live one at uh, from one of the greatest, uh, you know, venues in the in the country, in the world, uh, First Avenue. I mean, I was so I was so happy that uh, I got to live. I actually lived on First Avenue um, on the South Side down. Uh, like it, it's a very long street, so it's not like I, li- I did live in walking distance. It was like a 10, 15 minute walk from my apartment to uh, First Avenue. But, uh, you know, it's like a long ass street and some of it's a one way, some of it's not. And it like bends and stuff. And it's very odd. So, I mean, I lived on the same street as First Avenue, but uh, I, I couldn't throw like a rock at it. And uh, funny enough, we talked about the turf club in this, and uh, the the apartment that I actually almost got before I got my apartment in Minneapolis was in St. Paul, and it was a block away from the turf club, which was a big reason why I almost got it, because I was like, oh, hell, like, like I knew of the turf club because of the replacements. Like, I knew of the turf club before I even moved to Minneapolis. So when uh, I drove past it to go look at the apartment, I'm like, oh, hell yes, like, that's that's pretty cool, but uh, yeah, I ended up. I almost lived by the Turf Club. Instead, I lived by uh, First Avenue and Seventh uh, Street Entry, which yeah, I mean historic. If you don't know what it is, I mean Prince, I mean Purple Rain, um, I mean the Descendants recorded Liveage at uh, at uh, First Avenue. Just such a such a great venue that I hope can make it through this pandemic. And uh, I think they have put some stuff up where, like, you can support them. So go check that out as well. Go check out High on Stress. Go check out their Bandcamp. Check them out, highonstress.bandcamp.com. And uh, also see, um, you know, First Avenue is all over social media and stuff. And uh, if I see anything, I'll throw it in the uh, show description. And same with the Turf Club, too. Just really the Twin Cities, not even Minneapolis, St. Paul as well, have really some of the greatest venues I've ever been to. Like, honestly, like, I've never been to a city 
that has that many good venues. Like I loved living there and uh, never a shortage of good places. I never, I can't say I ever went to a venue that I thought was really shitty. Um, there, the varsity theater, I do actually enjoy and I enjoy those weird ass bathrooms, but I do think their security are kind of assholes. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. They always kind of gave me like a, like they kind of wanted to fight look. And I don't know why, like, I don't want to fight you, dude. I just want to go see the Menzingers. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't know, I guess I had that look that I, I wanted to fight them. But outside of that, um, all really, really good experiences and great venues up there. And uh, I miss it up in the Twin Cities, so it was great to talk to someone from there. And uh, who knows, I'll probably end up there some uh, sometime in my life. Great, great city, great venue. So we'll throw some uh, shit up there to uh, show you how you can support some of those uh, great venues and make sure that they uh, can get back on their feet when all this is said and done. But that is it. That is the episode. I want to thank Nick again. You got some music to check out now. And, uh, you know, you can check us out online. We are at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are on Spotify. Um, we have the radio show, obviously, every Friday night for two hours now from 10 Eastern to midnight. And uh, that would also make it, I believe, 7 to 9 Pacific Standard Time. If I just did my math correctly, 7 to 8, 8 to 9. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did do that right. I uh, It's funny. I always, anytime I do that, like, or if I'm on the West Coast, and I'm like calling people back here on the uh, East Coast. Like I always just fuck up that three hours. Like it's always, and then even worse. I forget what the time difference was. But when I was in Maui um, a few years ago, I, I was over there for a cousin's wedding, and uh, I forget what the change is there. But it's even, it's even like further in, and it was just very weird. And like I, I, if I remember correctly too, like anytime I like called the East Coast, like the time difference was so different that it was like, you know. I'd call and they'd be sleeping. I think I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. I just remember it being very, uh, very uh, different from uh, Eastern Standard Time, obviously. And uh, yeah, I but but I did do the math right. Seven to nine if you're over on that West Coast. But uh, you can listen to the radio show from anywhere online at wrfalp.com as well as the WRFA mobile app. and uh, Or if you are in the Jamestown listening area, good old radio, go tune it to 107.9 WRFA and give us a listen. But uh, that's every Friday night. New podcast every Monday for you. And, yeah, follow us online at Power Court Hour on uh, all those social media sites. And uh, hit me up what we're doing. If you want to rate and uh, review this show and uh, give us whatever you want. It doesn't have to be five stars. You can say we fucking blow. Give, give, us, a, give us a one-star review Say this guy's voice is annoying. He's an asshole, and uh, he plays terrible music. And uh, if you want to screenshot that to me, send it to powercordhour at gmail dot com, and I will send you a free power Chord hour shirt. And uh, you know you can wear it, you can burn it. Like I don't know, do whatever do whatever you want for it or with it. You know, thanks for thanks for leaving a review. So uh, leave a review. Shoot, send me a screenshot. I'll send you a free T shirt. But uh, if you're too damn lazy to do that and you just want something free, I do have some Power Chord Hour guitar picks. Hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. And uh, we have a few stickers left, but I, I ordered 250 of those, and we're down to like five. So I may or may not have one. If you hit me up, maybe I'll have one, but there's also a chance that I don't. But uh, I do have those picks, and if you want to leave us a, uh, a little rate and review on iTunes, um, I'll send you a T-shirt, and it look very rad. Shout out to Grace, our listener who uh, has been listening to the radio show since like 
since really we started. I mean, 2016, she's uh, been supporting us since the very beginning. The very first person I can even remember emailing the uh, show. So uh, very, very cool and got to see shirts made. She rules. So we're not selling them or anything, but, uh, you know, you just leave a little – do do a little thing for us. We'll do a little thing for you. But uh, shout out to Grace for getting those made. They look awesome, and uh, she always picks great punk rock classic uh, requests for the radio show. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be the episode for this week. I'll be back next week. Um, I'm not even sure yet, to be honest. I don't know if it'll be a guest. I don't know if it'll be solo. But either way, you will hear my uh, my angelic voice next week. Maybe by myself, yapping for an hour. Maybe yapping for an hour with someone else. Who knows? The future's unwritten. You'll have to come back here and find out. But until then, for the Power Court Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening.